What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Averti, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can write stronger, clearer, and in a more inspiring way. This is going to be really great for freelance writers who want to wow their clients and write pitches that get more responses and increases the likelihood of whoever you send that pitch to ends up becoming a client. But this is also going to be great for any profession because we all use writing, whether it's for sending an email to someone or writing a document. We all get involved in writing in some way. And this episode is going to help you become better at this critical craft. Our guest who joins us today, he is known as the writing guy. He shows professional services firms how to use language that connects with the readers, gets them interested in what they have to say, and converts them into customers. What result do you want for your readers? Do you want them to buy your product? Do you want them to subscribe? Writing is a way to make that happen. Our guest teaches businesses and helps them on that journey to making it happen with their content. He co-founded Write for Results, which helps clients who want to produce quality content win more proposals, and create world-class pitches. Our guest who joins us in this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Scott Kieser. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Lovely to be here. Scott, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And writing, freelance writers definitely understand the importance of it, but it truly is something that stretches to any craft. I mean, it's just communication. It's knowing what people want. There's so much that goes into it. But with writing, there's so many things that we can think about, so many things we can say, especially if you go into fiction, because there's so many different storylines and et cetera that you can cover. How do we avoid overthinking the writing process and just being able to put the words onto the screen? Okay, great, great question, Mark. How do we overthink the writing process? Um, Well, there are many ways in which I could answer that. One of the most neglected steps in the writing process is planning. Um, A lot of a lot of amateur writers, shall I say, dive straight into drafting without planning. I refer to that as premature drafting. And the reason why that's a problem is because their their ideas are half baked. Uh, their ideas are not clear enough in their in their heads. They're not clear about who the reader is, what is critical information to the reader and what is not. Um, and they launch themselves in and halfway through the, the drafting process, they go, oh, gosh, um, or maybe they might use even stronger language than that and say and realize that they're not ready to to draft because they just don't have the head clarity uh, in order to achieve the clarity on the page so i'm not sure whether you'd call that overthinking but uh, i mean certainly the the, mo- the most neglected part of the writing process in my experience is planning because people pay lip service to the idea but most people plan badly if they do it at all so you know, for your listeners who want to be more effective communicators, and obviously we're talking about the written word, one of the things that I suggest they might need to think about more in terms of overthinking is planning and being really systematic about it. 
And I like this focus on planning because I think part of the overthinking, I think if you're overthinking the writing, you may not have a plan in place. Mm. Plan creates rigid structure, whereas overthinking usually comes from not having uh, it in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right, Mark. Um, that you know, when I I know that you know, even though I'm a very experienced writer, I would say that nine more even more than nine times out of ten, every time I draft without planning, I regret it. Um, because I just don't, I don't have the clarity. So I think you're right. I think there are major benefits to, to planning. I mean, in no particular order, uh, one is confidence that when you know where you're going, what you're going to say, you've got a clear mental image of the, of the reader in your mind's eye. Uh, you, you know where you're going, you have a roadmap and you have a structure, then that's going to engender greater confidence uh, in yourself as a writer uh, the other the other major benefit is speed of planning. It's ironic and paradoxical, but actually by spending quality time planning, we save time in the long run through in the form of fewer redrafts and no rewrites. So, of course, we, you know, redrafting is a very necessary part of the writing process. But a rewrite is a disaster. A rewrite is, you know, we get halfway through our document. And we go, oh, no, this is all wrong. You know, screw it up, throw it in the throw it in the bin, the trash can, as you guys say, and start over, start again. And that's a disaster because it gobbles up loads of time and energy uh, that are both of which are resources that we can ill afford to squander. So there's speed, you know, major benefits of planning are speed, confidence. Um, and I mean, the obvious one is is general impact and effectiveness that you will achieve what you're trying to achieve through the written word when you plan. And I love how we're just talking about this emphasis of planning and someone who's getting started with content creation may not know what to do with a plan mm. or how to turn that plan into content that engages. And I know that's why a lot of clients come to you mm. when they need help with creating that content when you're doing the planning phase with a mm. client or with your own content mm. what do those initial conversations look like to figure out this is the plan that we're going to go with okay great question mark so um in the last 18 months i finally nailed uh, what i consider is my definitive writing system it's called rhetorica 2.0 and it can basically called it's word, the word rhetoric with a on the end. And I've registered that as my own word. Uh, I had to go through a trademark attorney to do that. Um, and basically, Rhetorica 2.0 comprises 15 techniques, five planning, five drafting, five editing. And I'll just share with you and your listeners what the five planning techniques are. They're summarized in the acronym STORM, S-T-O-R-M, and they stand for structure, timing, objective, reader, and message. So would it be useful if I just ran through, if I said a few words about each of those? Yes, that would be perfect. Okay. So structure, and, and, and this is not the order in which you would engage with these, these steps, but these are the five elements of, of planning any communication. So let's deal with the S first of all, the first word, first letter of storm, structure. 
I maintain the structure is more important than language. The reason for that is that no matter how beautifully you write, if your structure doesn't hang together, if your reader doesn't know where you're taking them, where they've been or where they are, and you're leaping to topic B and then on to F and back to A and on to G, and they don't know whether they're coming or going or whether they're Arthur or Martha, as my wife is very fond of saying, then they're going to they're going to stop reading. They're going to give up. And when we lose our reader, we failed as writers and communicators. So structure is absolutely vital. The T is timing. And that is we need to set time aside to plan, because if we don't do that, the planning just ain't going to happen. And my my sort of guide, my rule of thumb guide is we need to decide in advance the total amount of time we're going to spend on the whole document. And then we we should set aside at least 25 percent of that total time just for planning. It's not for drafting. It's not for editing. It's just planning. And then 50 percent of that total time you should allocate for drafting and the balance, the remaining 25% for editing and checking your work. So obviously those three steps reflect the three core steps of the writing process, planning, drafting, and editing. So minimum 25% planning, that's timing. The O of storm is, is objective, which is really, you know, what are you trying to achieve with this communication? What's your purpose? And I break this down into three dimensions of behavior that we're trying to change in our reader. And they're very, very simple. Again, sorry, this this time it's a three letter acronym. After all, which writing system would be complete without a TLA? And it's FFA, facts, feelings and action. In other words, under the facts, what do you want your reader to know? The feelings, obviously, what what feelings and emotions do you want to evoke in them? And then the A is what action do you want them to take as a result of reading your communication, your email or your pitch or whatever it may be. And that's really useful. Defining our or nailing our objective or our purpose. And then the R of storm is the single most important out of all my 15 techniques. This is the most important because R stands for reader. And this is about writing for your reader. This is not about writing for yourself. This is about making everything you write either about them or adding value to them in some way. And it's no coincidence that in my book, Rhetorica, which came out in 2016, the very first chapter is write for your reader. So we need to make the and in fact, it's an emotional shift we need to make from being writer centric to reader centric. Uh, most most sort of uh, amateur writers think it's all about them, whereas it should be all about the reader. And so, you know, it's interesting to me that this is less about writing style or even to use your word, the craft of writing. This, you know, write for your reader is much more about your mindset and your emotional intelligence. And it's about not weeing all over your reader. I mean, I read this all the time. You know, we're we're corporate, we're ABC Inc. We're great at this. We're great at that. We do this. We do that. It's we, we, we all the way home. You know, weeing all over your reader is really rude. 
So emotional intelligence allows us to turn the we's into you, into you and your. So that's the R of storm. And then the, the M of storm is your message. What is the one major message you're trying to convey to your reader to put in their brain, or in some cases in their heart, uh, that is going to make your render your writing a success? So those five elements for me are primordial in planning any communication, structure, timing, objective, reader and message. Does that help? Oh, wow. <laughs> I agree that reader is the most important because you could have everything else right. But if you don't really think about the reader, nothing's going to convert because a conversion, you're converting someone and that someone mm. has to understand what you're saying. So I really like how you have that as the pinnacle of your methodology, just to cool. focus on the reader. And mm -hmm. that alone is going to help people who want to write good content. Sure. Is there anything else like in particular, like being a better writer, because there are some people who may feel like they heard the acronym, they understand the methodology, but you have a lot of people who say, I'm just not a good writer or I'm just not a good author. How do you suggest for that crowd to uh, be able to write better content? Yeah. So, I mean, are you talking there, Mark, about style, about writing style? <clears throat> yes. Okay. Because for me, this moves us on to the second step, which is drafting. And, um, you know, in my in my writing system, there are five drafting techniques. And this time the acronym, which I have to admit, I'm quite pleased with is SCOT. S -C -T. <laughs> and it stands for shorten your sentences. Um, and and I'll, as I did with the, the five planning, I'll go through these. I'll just run through the what the acronym stands for. So the S is shorten your sentences. The C is cure nounitis, which is the overuse of nouns, particularly abstract nouns. The O of Scott is omit needless words, which I've I've borrowed and I give credit for this to uh, that wonderful book that I'm sure you'll be familiar with, The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. It was written in 1912 and it's sold about a million copies and uh, no self-respecting writer should be without uh, what's affectionately referred to as strunk and white. It's it, The title is The Elements of Style and it's one of their techniques, uh, which is omit needless words. That's how we write concisely. I'll say a bit more about that in a minute. And then the, the, uh, the two T's of Scott in no particular order are trust in plain English. And the second T is turn your passives into actives. In other words, turn your passive voice into the active voice. And if you, I mean, you know, your listeners, the writers among your listeners don't have to use all five of those. Um, you know, if if they want to write more concisely, uh, they they could benefit merely by omitting needless words. So that's the that's the single guaranteed way of writing concisely, because when we omit or remove words and phrases that add no value, content, meaning or information, what we're doing is we're tightening our writing up. We're making it tight and taut and concise and succinct. And, you know, your readers are going to love you for it uh, because it means you get to the point. You make your point in the fewest words possible. Which means in turn that they're using up fewer brain calories in order to get your message. 
and that because most most readers to excuse my French can't be asked to work really hard to get your to get your meaning you know so well I mean would it be useful again as I did with planning just to run through the Scott in a bit more detail oh yeah definitely would that, would that be helpful yeah. yeah okay so the S shorten your sentences I mean we all know that long sentences are uh, one of the curses of, of bad writing. And the reason for that is that the longer our sentences and the longer this is referred to as your ASL, your average sentence length, the higher your ASL is, then the more words and therefore the more ideas are going to be contained in each sentence. And the more ideas there are in each average sentence, the harder you're making your reader work. And the hard, generally, the harder the harder we make our readers work, then the likelier we are to lose them. You know, unless, unless you're particularly lucky and your reader is really forgiving and they absolutely love everything you write about and they're, they're going to lap it up no matter how long or high your ASL is. Science has proved the work of people like Dr. Rudolf Flesch, who studied readability in the 1940s and 50s. The, the, the science says that our ASL, our average sentence length, should be between 15 and 20 words. Higher than an ASL of 20, and as I just said, we're making our reader work too hard. And conversely, if we, if we fall below an ASL of 15, then our style is going to start sounding a little bit childish and staccato and choppy. So, you know, it'll read something like, excuse me, this is a big project. It will be based in Mumbai. It will be it will be manned by many people. We hope it will succeed. You know, there's no flow or cadence to that writing. And that's what happens when our ASL falls below 15, 15 words. Does that, that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, right. I really love the way you explain the uh, ASL being 15 to 20, because I think we get the run on because, you know, you could put 50 words and people get that. But I don't think people get the choppiness as much. So I think mm. that's very valuable. Sure. OK, great. And then the C of Scott is Kyonanitis. And, and again, in my system, I give credit where it's due. Sadly, I didn't coin this term. The term nounitis was uh, which is kind of quasi pseudo medical term uh, referring to the inflammation of your nouns was coined by a, a, a fellow Brit, in fact, who's become a friend called Rupert Morris in a book he wrote in 1998 called The Right Way to Write. But it's a brilliant term because it refers to the overuse of nouns, particularly abstract nouns. And your readers, your listeners may be wondering, well, you know, what's the problem with nouns? Well, the problem with abstract nouns, if you overuse, if your writing has too many abstract nouns, you're again making your reader work harder than they may want to. The trouble with nouns is that they a noun is essentially a naming word. And the trouble with a noun is it just sits there naming stuff, but doesn't drive the narrative of your story or your text along. It doesn't move the narrative. So I'll give you an example. Um, and I should say that the, well, your listeners will, will very quickly see how we cure nounitis with this example. So a very simple example might be our specialism is the provision of taxation solutions. Now, 
that is a horrible sentence and it's mainly horrible because the there are four abstract nouns in there and they are specialism provision taxation and solutions the cure the way we cure nounitis is to use verbs so we cure nounitis through verbitis and obviously you know we all know verbs are words of action and doing okay so to use that example we could say we specialize in providing taxation solutions in that second version we've got two verbs and two nouns so specialize and provide verbs and taxation and solutions are the two nouns so it's already a more balanced sentence but it there's a problem and the problem is that in that second version one of those words is what i refer to as a sow a severely overused word and there are five or six in business writing, and one of them is provide. Because every time you use the word provide, even though it is a verb, you have to follow it with a noun, don't you? So we might say we provide advice, we provide encouragement, we provide support. But you could just say we encourage, we, we advise, we support. So you don't need to use provide. So in the third and final version, you're banned from using the word provide. What does that force you to do? It forces you to seek out what's called the main verb. And the main verb from solution is solve. So we end up with the third version, which is, and, and I really hope your listeners are following this, we specialize in solving your taxation problems or challenges or issues or whatever. So we've got two strong verbs there in specialize and solve. We've personalized it with the word your. And, you know, we, we can't get away with we, we can't get rid of all the nouns in our writing. That would be absurd. But do you see what I mean? I hope that example shows what I mean, that we cure nounitis by using more verbs than nouns, because verbs are words of action and doing. I really like, I like the example you uh, um mentioned with the word providing because i can see how that's just a placeholder you could put another verb there instead i mean the mm -hmm. example of solving is uh very well i mean very well presented thank you for that okay good good thank you i, I hope i explained it clearly to your listeners uh, and so that's cure now nighters and then the o is um i referred to that that stands for omitting needless words and and just say again it does bear repeating because conciseness is one of the most common writing issues that, that people struggle with or or lack of conciseness in the form of waffle wordiness and wind. It's a bit like an alternative version of the World Wide Web, you know, www, waffle wordiness and wind. And most I'm sure most of your listeners would like to write concisely. And the thing is, it, the, it's very easy to do that. Where, what I would say to your listeners is when you're drafting be alert to the phrases and the words, the needless, redundant, superfluous words that you're probably almost habitually using time and time again in your writing. By getting rid of those, by removing those, we're not going to change the meaning, but we're going to tighten the style up. And that will have the, the added benefit of lowering our ASL our average sentence length because we are going to shorten our sentences so the most common example bar none of a needless phrase i'll give you an example 
Um, an example could be she went overseas in order to further her career. But we could just say she went overseas to further her career. We can remove those two little, word, two little words in order. Doesn't change the meaning a jot. And, you know, we've reduced the sentence by whatever proportional percentage that is. You know, she went overseas to further her career instead of in order to, which is three words, just use one word. So that that's a 66 percent saving within that phrase. And that and that's as simple as it gets. It's just you, we as writers and, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a writer as well. Obviously, I, I need to I'm constantly aware of the phrases and the words that I can strip out of my writing without changing the value, content, meaning or information. I, I like the trimming it down. Uh, I do use Grammarly for a lot of my work and it does yeah. point out some of those things in the clarity section. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a really good resource if you want to, if you're just getting started with writing, it's sure. one of those AIs that doesn't think for you, it gives you suggestions on what to do. Yeah, I mean, I think Grammarly is very good. I only wish I was the person who'd invented it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, you, you know, we as writers, we've just got to use whatever tools that are at our disposal. And so, yeah, that's the O. And then the T, uh, trust in plain English. This is a really important one, actually, because a lot of business writing that I review or I have to edit is just stuffed to the gunnels with, uh, kind of business jargon, bullshit bingo, you know, just technical jargon. And if your reader is what I call a lay reader, a non-techie, uh, then they are likely to be daunted and off put and put off by, you know, business jargon. Apart from anything else, I mean, I was reviewing um, a piece of writing today for a client, and it was just, it was just dripping in business jargon and it's 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 non-human language so when i describe what i do i help i help my clients find their voice write human with a capital h and get the results they want from the words that they write and if if your writing is just laden sort of larded if you like with too much business jargon you're going to put your reader off because it's not it's non-human writing it's non-connective language. Um, and so they, in my training, in my workshops, I talk about this idea of register, which I'll share with, with you and your listeners, Mark. And it's a really useful concept. Register is actually a musical term. And so the musicians amongst you will, will relate to this. But in, in the writing world, it's it basically, it's the scale of the formality of your writing. So up at the top, we have formal language. At the bottom, we have slang. And in the middle, we have good old, old fashioned, well, it's not really old fashioned, but good old, solid, plain English. OK. And the beauty of plain English is that 99, the words are so simple and so everyday and so conversational that 99% of your readers will get will get the meaning in one go, in one reading. They won't have to refer to the thesaurus or the Webster or the Collins Dictionary in order to understand what you're what you're writing about. So some very simple examples. Instead of saying um, construct, which is from the Latin, you could just say build 
or make or create, instead of saying um, depart from the French partir, to leave, just say leave, instead of saying um, transmit, again, a Latin-based word, just say send, instead of disseminate, which actually is from the Latin meaning to scatter your seed. That's really what it means. Just say spread or share or give out or distribute. Uh, instead of saying I'm the, the big one, Mark, is utilize. Just say use or apply. You know, why use a three syllable word utilize when you could just as easily say use? There's no difference in meaning. And that's what I mean by plain English. And, and this is not just in case some of your listeners may be wondering, this is absolutely not about dumbing down your writing. You know, the, 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 the content of your writing must still have intellectual rigor and be world class and relevant to your reader. But it's about conveying complexity in simple language. And if you can do that, you have mastered the craft. Yeah, I mean, I like that a lot, just um, not using these grandiose words when you don't have to and just keeping it very simple because you have to think about who's reading. A lot of people, mm. they, like, they don't have the dictionary like in their mind. Like Having That's the simple right. words makes it easier. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you use a lovely word, grandiose is right. You know, it's kind of grandiose is, is, is high register, polysyllabic, complicated language. Whereas plain English, everybody is everybody knows what cash is or money, but not everybody knows what an emolument is, which is a particular type of payment. Emolument, again, from the Latin. And it's interesting, Mark, how most of the the formal high register words are derived from Latin, whereas mo almost all the plain English words are derived from the Germanic strain of the English language. And German, the, the Germanic and Flemish, it was when they, the, not the Visigoths, who were they? The, um, uh, the, the Flemish and the Belgian tribes came over in the sort of uh, 1000s. And of course, the Normans as well in 1066. Uh, English is essentially a Germanic language. And those punchy words... Uh, buy, get, send, build, make, kill, create. They all tend to be from, from the Germanic part of English. So they're the punchy words. And then the, and then the second T in Scott is turn your passives into actives. You know, I, I just, um, I rail against the passive voice. A lot of business writing is there's a problem with the passive voice and the passive voice I refer to as the carbon monoxide of your writing because it's like a silent killer. It just sucks all the life and the vigor out of your writing. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we could say uh, the review was undertaken by team A. It's, uh, it's very formal as well. The review was undertaken by team A. So they, the, the, ob, the object is, is actually the review. The, well, I mean, I, I don't want to, this is as grammatical as I get, by the way. So, and I don't want to confuse your readers or make it complicated, but essentially what happens in the passive voice is that the, the doer of the action is put right at the end of the sentence. Um, and is named and is referred to as the agent. 
whereas and it, it's a complicated form of expression whereas to use the example that i just gave the active version of that would be team a undertook the review or performed the review so we, we just sort of explained that the we identify the the active voice when it goes subject verb object so team a is the subject because they're the doers the verb is undertook and then the review is the object. So it just goes SV, SVO, subject, verb, object. Then we describe that sentence as being in the active voice. And the beauty of the active voice is it forces us to state who is doing what to whom. Subject, verb, object. T may undertook the review or performed the review or did the review. Contrast that with the review was undertaken by T may. It's longer, it's more convoluted, it's more complicated. And that's the problem with the passive voice. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I definitely like to use active in my um, writing as well. And the passive, it's something you can check in Grammarly. They do um, make note of that if you use it. It's something very good to do. But I mean, these acronyms have been very useful. And if you apply what Scott has shared in this episode, I mean, it's going to help with your writing. I mean, I'm listening to this as a freelancer and thinking there are some things that I've been doing. There are some things that I have to do more that mm. I haven't been thinking about as much in my craft. So uh, the insights in this episode, you implement them. It's going to make an impact on your writing. Scott, for people who want to learn more about you and your journey, where do you suggest we go on the web and elsewhere to keep following your work? Sure. Well, that, that's kind of you to ask. Um, I'm actually redoing my website at the moment. So probably for, for the time being, for the next two or three months, just connect with me on LinkedIn. If if you if you just put in Scott Keys of the writing guy, I will come up. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and, and that would be a good way to reach me. Well, Breakthrough Success listeners, we will have the links in the show notes. Definitely make sure you connect with Scott on LinkedIn. Let him know you enjoyed this episode and what you learned from this Breakthrough Success episode. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It was a pleasure to thank have you. you here today. It was a pleasure to be here, Mark. Thank you for having me.